I think what's so cool is um, today is Pentecost Sunday, right? Which we didn't realize until when did we realize it? We counted it down, but I have yet to see if it was actually on a Sunday. I think Pentecost Sunday is on a Sunday, right? Lo and behold, yeah. <laughs> lo and behold, here we are. Um, you know what I love is just being able to be um, family together and connected to one another enough to just go, let's move in. Like when the spirit would move in our midst like that, to just go, let's go. And so there's a part of it when what I'm thinking about for today is really uh, um, as much for me as for you is this idea about coming off of playing defense all the time and going on offense and recognizing with Pentecost, with the spirit of the Lord in us, like when we're listening to that um, song earlier, spirit move, that, that this is the whole point, like the whole point of all of it was that my sons and my daughters would prophesy and that they would dream dreams and that they would have visions and that they would walk in the power and the anointing of Holy Spirit to bring on earth as it is in heaven, to make the kingdom a reality. And I think sometimes um, I hang on to old stuff. I hang on to old lies. I let my body change and I feel sad and I feel depressed and I hang on to something that's a lie. Right, And the reality of it is, it's like Jana was talking about it a little bit in worship, and it's later in my notes, but we'll just go there now. Like, there is a place to say, this is the truth about me. And I can impact, I can impact that truth about me in a couple of different ways. And one of them is just how I move in my body, my physiology. Right, So there may be a time, like for me in worship, I'll just stop. And I'll throw my arms back and I'll just extend out. And like when that, when it, you, you let out the sails of my heart, like I'm physically doing it and I'm making myself larger as I do it. And immediately as I'm doing it, I let out the sails of my heart. Here I am, here you are. And I use my body in worship because the Lord is moving in my body as I'm doing that. And I change, as I change my language, like as the Lord's worked on me, like this whole spirit of fear thing that... I've been talking about how he's working on in me. Like he showed me that lie. And then he's like, every time that you go back to that lie in your language is a time that you're confirming the opposite of what I've already given you. Cause I'm the God of instead. I bring beauty instead of ashes, right? I bring a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And so there's a place to say, I'm not going to, for me, this is to me, right? You happen to be here. I'm, I, I, I have no permission to keep going back to my past and living from my past, right? So my body, my physiology, my language, um, and then last of all, my focus, what I choose to give my attention to. If I give my attention to the failure, the weakness, the despair, then it's gonna amplify in my life. So there's a place where I have to go, this is the world that seems this level of impossibility and I have to bring it down to its right size and go, it's not impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. And the truth of God, of God is grace and peace and the power of the Holy spirit and his power in me and his delight in me to say, I walk in his image and I'm a well-loved daughter. And that's who I really am. I'm a well-loved son. That's who I am. And so there's a place where the spirit of God came to us to say, you're different that things are different and there's a different game. So it's like going on offense.
Yeah, good. Because so often we remind ourselves, we, we remind ourselves of good things. We've been forgiven, we have His grace, this and that and the other. But it's all from what was mm-hmm. instead of from what should be and will be. Amen. Amen. Taking it on. So, um, thanks, Tim. So, um, let's dig in here a little bit. So I have been uh, talking to the Lord about just going through a book, and I was kind of going backwards through Mark. I don't know if you, any of you noticed that a couple months back, where I went from like 14, 13, 12, but I decided that I would go frontwards through a book, and uh, I think I'm going to go through Philippians. I don't know how long that'll take. It's not going to be all today. Don't worry. We're not going to be here till like 8 o'clock, um, and I don't know how often, so I have no promises. I've never done that, so... This may be the one and only time that we talk about this portion of Philippians. But if you know the book of Philippians at all, it's got a lot of great one-liners in it that we love. Like, can anybody, is anybody familiar enough with Philippians where you just immediately go, like, here's a piece. Like, what's a, what's a one-liner out of Philippians that you love? You don't have to have it perfect, but just kind of like, right, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's another one? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Philippians 2, about a great... Okay, okay. Right, another great promise at the end of Philippians. Any, anybody else? To live as Christ, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Right? I'm confident of this very thing that keeps again a good work. Amen. 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 Right at the front end of Philippians. Anything? So a ton of great one-liners in Philippians. Anybody got one that you're like, you're going to pop if you don't say it, that, that comes to mind? Okay, so... Going once. All right. So to me, um, I think that I think that the whole book of Philippians um, is summed up in one verse. And this isn't going to be our text for today. But I think the sum up of the verse, uh, if you read it in the ESV, Philippians 316 says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. So I think when we come and we look at the book of Philippians, each time we touch on it, that's going to be a place I'm going to reference back because there's a truth of God in you. There's a truth of God's work in you that it's simply a matter of grabbing hold of it and continuing to live up to what you've been given, to live up to what's already been attained. Philippians 3.16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained, it says in the ESV. So the book itself is a book about joy. Uh, Joy or rejoicing appears about 16 different times in the book. And so as I've looked at it, I've thought, man, how do I get there? How do I live from there? And how do I maintain joy? So those are just three questions that came to mind as I looked at it. And Jana gave us a clue a couple weeks ago. You'll remember Jana was teaching through Philippians 4.8. She used in part of what she was talking about, which is you don't have to go there, but that's Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. These different, like how I would hold my mind, how I would present my mind um, to the situations of my life that I face. And she said, this is how God thinks. This is how he's thinking about your future. This is how he's planning ahead for you. And so there are things in life that feel like devastation, she said. But we change and we make a proclamation over those things, the truth of God. And we begin to let our imagine go to work with 
the reality of how God sees things and how God wants to move into situations. So God has to be good to you, she said. It's his reputation at stake, and he is going to be good. He is going to be faithful to you. And it's taking that and banking on it. So I have a friend that we just prayed healing for a lot of, for a lot of us. I have a friend that has a persistent illness. I'm not going to give detail um, about it, but he's been walking through this for a long time. And he and I had a chance to um, get together this week. And he said, I believe that God is good to me. I believe that this is not a punishment from God and that sickness is not something from God and that God is able to heal. But my friend said, is there something I'm doing wrong? Do I just, do I lack faith? You know, um, what's up? And, and I was like, and I love you. And I believe that God has placed a gift of healing in me. And I'm like, am I doing something wrong, Lord? Am I not, am I not praying for my friend just right? And a lot of us have prayed. We fasted. We keep, and I'm asking the Lord even now for a fresh word for my friend. Um, and so I, I think that there is a place where like Eric Johnson at Bethel is deaf. Eric Johnson has prayed and people have been healed. Their ears have been healed. That he has healed people that are deaf. And he is walking and being deaf. So there is a place where I have to bank on what's true and let the rest of me come in with it. Because God is good. He's given his spirit. He's placed gifts in you. We've been talking about the spiritual gifts. These gifts exist in you. And so even when, even when there's doubt, even when there's, it's still, you haven't seen breakthrough. It's being able to camp out on the goodness of God and keep moving forward. Because I will choose to believe the truth more than I'm going to choose to believe my experience, but I'm going to keep walking in the truth so that I see my experience change. I want to experience God. I want a conversational relationship with him. I want to hear from him. And I want my friend John D used to say, I feel like I've got about a thimble full of what God has for me. And I want the rest. So, so how do we get to Philippi anyway? Or how did Paul get to Philippi? So flip to um, flip real quick to Acts. Uh, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here. We're just going to buzz through this based on the time that we have. But look at Acts 16, um, verse 6. And um, what's happening is um, Paul is in Paul is in the center of what would now be Turkey. That's the area of Galatia. And he has this desire to reach... Um, a place called Asia. That's not like how we think of Asia, like Russia and China and all that. But Asia in this context is a part just, just west of where he is in Turkey. And he's like, I just want to go over there and I want to see those people. So they begin going around, they, they go north in Turkey and they begin going around the top of Turkey and they're trying to go in. And Paul has a vision. He says, um, when they came to the border of uh, Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by and went down to Troas, which is on the coast of Turkey. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, which is Greece, standing and begging him, come over and help us. And after Paul had seen that vision, we got ready at once and we left for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the good news to them. So, um, so there's a place of walking with the spirit of God close enough to go, I've got plans, but God is up to something different and I'm sensitive enough in my spirit. I'm awake enough to, 
him in my spirit to be able to go no to that. I know we talked about it and you wanted to do that, but really I've got this for you because what happens, Paul hadn't been to Greece yet. So what happens when Paul goes to Greece, right? Like he got, he goes to Philip, Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica, he goes to Athens, he goes to Corinth. All this different incredible work of the gospel happens because Paul goes to Greece and all these letters come and are written to him later. And all this, like this whole ripple effect from God just going, hey, I have this word for you. Can you stop and listen? And can you respond? So uh, really quickly, um, Lydia gets converted, which I think is so cool. Like the, the representation, like, please, people will talk about Paul. That, like they give Paul this bad rap about somehow Paul hated women, and it's not true. It's not the case. So you can look at this honor that Paul has for Lydia. Go read the story later yourself and about Lydia's influence. And she becomes a foundational member of, of this church. She's, the church at Philippi is wrapped around her and her story and the extension of her influence in that city. Then we read about um, Paul shutting down a spirit um, that he just gets tired, frankly, of a, a spirit of a, a person um, following him that's influenced by a demonic spirit. And he does this for a couple of days. And he's like, that's enough. And that's how he ends up in prison. And then in that prison, they see God move. Um, but this is these pockets, these communities, that Philippian jailer coming to Christ. This is the pocket. That's the initial formation of the church at Philippi that he's then writing this letter to. So, um, all right, let's go back to Philippians. You can read the rest of that in Acts later for yourself. Um, Going back to Philippians 1. I just want to read this to you real quick. Um, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, Together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. So remember, he's in prison now, right? He's in prison in Rome, writing this letter, like roughly AD 60, somewhere in there. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel, in the good news from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So I want to stop for a second and look at these two words that we can blow right by, grace and peace, right? We just go, ah, grace and peace. Like we said, peace out, you know, whatever, the different ways that we use these words. And what I want to say is this is the framework of our experience in God, right? That this, that if I, if I imagine it in my mind, it's like I see peace as this wholeness and safety and stability and this bedrock of my relationship being right with God. And it's just, I'm firmly planted on this. And then I see grace like this banner over us or this banner over the world. Right. The compassion of God, his generosity towards us, his pursuit of us, his seeking of us and just his 
just his kindness. Like I could just go on and on about it. And um, instead, I want to show you a really quick video about grace and peace. Um, and so you guys know that I'm a nut about Formula One. And I need to do a little context before we pull it up. So a little context in this, the clip that I'm about to show you, there is a driver that's probably, he's, it's a, it's a Spanish guy named Fernando Alonso. He drives right now for McLaren, but he's won two world championships. He was the youngest driver at the time to ever win a world championship. He's at Spain. He's in a crappy car now. So, I mean, he's, he's not the contender, but he's pro- arguably one of the best drivers uh, that's ever raced in this sport. Um, and so what happens is he sees this kid in the crowd and he tweets his team. He's like, I don't know who that kid is, but bring him down into the paddock, which is kind of like the garage area. And anyway, let's play it. It might be. Just play it and see him out there. That's a picture. That's a picture of just, I'm so loved. Yeah, that's great. And uh, um, that's a picture of just, I'm, I'm so loved and I'm pursued and I'm enjoyed. And I can just respond to that pursuit and that enjoyment. I have peace. Everything is being taken care of. I'm behind the wall. I'm with the team. I'm safe, but I can totally enjoy the goodness that's being bestowed on me for no apparent reason of my own. This grace is just so much more than, gosh, I really sucked and God was so kind. Grace, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's fine. It's more. It's way more, right? It's, it's that he's raining down uh, the rain to, to take care of the righteous and the unrighteous. Yes, it's all of that. But it's this confidence of the generosity and the goodness of God towards you and me and towards all the world. Um, and God's desire for relationship and God's desire to say, you're safe, you're okay, you'll be fine. So when you read the letters, when you read the start of the different finding in Romans and all these different places where Paul is speaking out grace and peace, he's trying to say, this is, this is the good news. This is the bedrock of my experience as a Christian of what it will mean to walk with the spirit and what it will mean to be here. Um, so in this is I'm, I'm, I'm confronted by grace being it's, it's the power of God's choice towards us to move towards us. And grace is also the fuel that powers our choice back towards him and our choice for him and for ourselves 
in all aspects of our life. So grace is not just something empty. That's this lovely concept. But grace is the empowering of Holy Spirit that would enable us to, to, to do it, to get there, to, to make this all work. So uh, there's a guy that um, uh, we just keep talking about, John D. So a book that John D. asked me to read um, late in his life was uh, by a guy named John Mark Ruthven called What's Wrong with Protestant Theology? And you should get it. And it's a hard read. And you've got to really get past his first couple of chapters when he's getting warmed up because he's really irritating. Um, but, man, when he gets going, it's, a, it's brilliant. But um, uh, Ruthven says that grace is, um, um, grace is really this steadfast love, this favor from God's goodness and his affection, um, his kindness and his generosity. Uh, uh, it's covenantal. It's free. Grace is generous, charismatic, and empowering. It's a spiritual gifting. And peace is wholeness, health, balance, and harmony. These are both given as ways to focus on Holy Spirit, and they are the essential operating principles for the Christian life. The whole point of the new covenant, Ruthven will argue, is God's Spirit in us. Right? That's the declaration. I'm sorry, we're going to go there real quick. Um, Back in Acts, Acts 2, 38 and 39. Um, Acts 2, verses 38 and 39. Peter is teaching and he says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So that's the whole, to me, to, that's the whole point of it. So I've been thinking um, sometimes in my journal, I caught myself journaling the other day, and I said, I was talking about work and wah, 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 and I said my thinking was if I can get caught up, I can get to a place of peace. And then I journaled out and said maybe the answer is to get to a place of peace first, and then if I can either, one, get caught up, or two, I won't get caught up and it won't matter. So then the Lord reminded me and he said, I've designed you to rule cities. You're managing 100 accounts. You're going to be fine. So going back, it's physiology. It's, slow down. Yeah. Can you repeat all that again? Say it again, but just slow down a little bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Journal entry said what? My journal entry said if I can get caught up. I can get to a place of peace. If I do this, I'll then have that. But he said, maybe the answer is to get to a place of peace first. And then maybe you'll get caught up or maybe you won't and it won't matter. Um, And then he reminded me, I've designed you to rule cities. So you can certainly manage a hundred accounts. So, um, I need to sort of cut some of this short. So, Barb pointed out, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So, God is going to keep being faithful to you and in you to get you where he wants to get you. So, this overarching responsibility is God's faithfulness. So, Our portion is to respond. Our portion is to see him at work, to trust his work, to believe 
right, to sit in the power of his word and his revelation. And by word, I don't just mean this. I mean, yes, it's this, but this isn't the only thing that God has said. So God is speaking to you all all the time. It will line up with this as he's speaking to you. Um, But having confidence in the word and in the revelation that God is bringing to say, I'm going to get you there and having confidence in that. So um, I really want to get to um, your partnering in the good news, right? In verse four, verse five, Philippians. Yes, I'm sorry. Philippians one, five. Um, you are partnering in the good news from the first day until now. So you, because the spirit is planted in you, you are walking, you are walking in God and you are a partner to God on this earth. And so Paul gets to the point later where he says, um, and this is my prayer starting in verse nine. If I read that differently, I would say Paul is praying that your love is going to lead you to abundance And that abundance is going to bring you a high knowledge based in revelation connected to your your participation, your maturity and your response that will give you a different wisdom and insight and discernment. That will enable you to live out your wholeness and your purity in the right standing that you already have with God right now, but also in a continuing way until you will see Jesus. You might see him right now. Like, stop for a second. I want to hold that thought. Uh, we don't have to go there. In John 14, 21, just jot it down. You can look at it later. Don't turn there because we're coming right back to Philippians. John says, whoever um, uh, has my words. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. I am so wound up and it's okay. So John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commands and the command, the only This section of John is to love one another. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him or make myself manifest to her. I will manifest myself. So sometimes you can look at this letter in Philippians and go, oh, well, at the very end, like at the very, very end, when Jesus comes back, I'm going to be pure and blameless and whole. He's going to be faithful to continue to work. And life's going to kind of suck. And I can't really have too high expectation. And it's going to be really hard. But man, Jesus is going to come back. It's going to be fine. No. If you look at the chapter, it says that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until, like in this continuing way, that you'd receive that right now, that Jesus would be made manifest to you in, in your life now. And that you are going to see him, which is this great expected hope. But he's here for now and he's coming. Like this isn't that this life's going to suck and I lack the power to bring change. Or my power of choice seems irrelevant in spite of all these obstacles and insurmountable things in my life. So I have a friend who is leaving my work. Uh... And um, I love this guy, and he's been um, deadpan and anxious, and he's a worship leader, and he gets spun out about God, but he's so faithful 
and he manages his tasks really well. And so there's this weird part where I can just go, I see the calling on his life that I absolutely honor. And then I just go, man, I have grace for your week, for his weakness. And so the other day I was challenging him and I said, you have a chance for a new start. You, you right now, why don't you go before the Lord and ask yourself these two questions before you go to your next job? And I bless you in your next job. And I said, what went well? What went well here? What can you look back and go ask the Lord? What, what did it, what went well? And then ask the Lord, what would I do differently next time? And get before the Lord, do your own exit interview. So in a sense, if there's a place where you're stuck in your life right now, come back before the Lord and go, what's gone well? And what would I do differently next time? And have an expectation that God can speak to you through the questions that you have for him. Jenna likes to say spiritual questions bring spiritual answers. So ask the Lord, ask the Lord for what you need. So, um, starting to wrap up. I have this guy that I like named Daniel Pink that's just written a book called When. And in that book, When, Daniel Pink writes down, you don't have to go get this one. Just get this one from the library or read a summary of it. W-I-N? When, like W-H-E-N. Oh, when. when, like how, what, why, when, where, how, all that. Uh, so in Daniel Pink's uh, book, he has um, one section where he goes, 86 days when you can make a fresh start because we all need a fresh start. If you're carrying heaviness and despair and anxiousness and depression and fear, God doesn't have that for you. That's not from him. And you have a choice about what you choose to focus on, what you choose to believe. And you can change your physiology, like we talked about. You can change your language, how you speak about it. You can change your focus, what you're looking at and what you're willing to be concentrated on. But it's going to take your choice and a fresh start. So here's 86 days when you can make a fresh start. The first day of the month, there's 12 of them. Mondays, there's 52 of them. Independence Day, Easter Sunday, your birthday, a loved one's birthday, the first day of school or a new semester, there's two. The first day of a new job, the day after graduation, the first day back from vacation, maybe there's two of those. The anniversary of your wedding, your first date or your divorce, there could be three of those. Um, The anniversary of starting your job, becoming a citizen, the day you adopted your dog or cat, or the day that you graduated, the anniversary of that, there's four of those. Or the day that you finished this book, or I would add 87, Pentecost Sunday. What a great day to say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, and he has conferred on me the good news. And I'll proclaim the good news, the release of the the prisoners, to set the captives free, and to see the, the year of the Lord's favor. So that's, that's where we are. So how do I start? Um, remember our three questions. How do I get to joy? How do I live from joy? And how do I maintain joy? So yesterday, or maybe it was Friday night, Jan was kind enough to um, uh, take me to get some new clothes because I'm terrible about getting new clothes. Like I, I, just, I just hate it. And so she primed the pump. And got some stuff that she thought I would like, and that was really kind of her. And I was like, I don't like that. I look, I look really fat in this, and just, you know, whatever. I'm trying it on. So she's like, Well, get in the car and let's go because they got a sale on, and we got to go do it. So I go and and um, uh, we get some new shirts, which is great. But as I'm as I'm getting the new shirts, I'm coming home, and I'm like, I got to get rid of 
as many clothes as I've just got, I've got to get rid of as many clothes because that's the space that I have in my closet and I don't need that much. I want less than what I have. <coughs> but think about, think about the closet of your life and what are the old clothes that are still hanging around in your closet where God says, you know, different times in scripture, he talks about putting on the new clothes, the righteousness that's really yours, the right standing with God, the grace and peace that are yours. And is there space in your closet for you to actually pull out new clothes from that closet and say, this is who I really am. This is the truth of me. This is what I look like. This is what I wear. And it just kind of can be this default habit to go, I'm going to go back and I'm going to pull out despair because I've worn this a long time and I feel really comfortable in despair. And some days, you know, you just want to put on sweatpants and just hang out at the house. And so despair can be one that you really like to pull out. You follow me? But how much better to go, you know what? I am just going to take despair and I don't even want to take it to Goodwill or to Habitat Restore. I just need to burn this. And I need to put on the different clothes, the clothes of hope and life and healing and joy and grace and peace. So a part of it is putting off the old, putting on the new and making room in your life. So Bill Johnson says, if you long for me, Bill Johnson said that the Lord spoke to him. Maybe he was 18-ish when this happened. And, and the Lord said to him, if you long for me like I long for you, you will be satisfied. So there is a place to recognize the grace of God, his generosity towards you and his desire and his love for you. And to say, that's what I want. And i just close with Psalm 105.4. Just write it down. You can go look it up later. But in ESV, it says... Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. That's how we'll maintain joy. That's how we'll maintain the ability to change in our lives and to walk, to walk in grace and peace, to seek him and seek his presence. So, God, I thank you for um, the truth of your word. I thank you for the way that you speak to us. I thank you for the way that you move in power. God, just to watch in our, um, in our community the chance to, to be with one another and pray for one another and bless one another. And so, God, we ask, we want to go on the offense. We want to walk in the power of your spirit. We want to see the gifts come alive in our life. We're willing to risk. We're willing to engage. We're willing to say yes and have a want to about that. And, God, we want to see you move in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.